running, running, and running, running, running. That's a good song. I like that. Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. And we're excited to be back for another week of the Christ in Culture in the new year. In the new year. It in is. In the new year. You know something crazy? What's crazy? When this comes out, the day this comes out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Should we just stop now and not tell anyone what we're talking about? <laughs> sure, Gordon's getting okay. married today. Yeah. I ruined it. And that's probably yeah. really loud for everyone. Sorry. I'm going to be two people. Uh, well, no, not liturgically. Nope. I will be two people. Okay. Well, anyways, Gordon's getting married. We uh, are so... one body, body <laughs> in Christ. So we're recording this ahead of time because Gordon's obviously getting married, has a lot going on. I'm also in the wedding, so it's uh, going to be cray cray crazy. Good stuff. So please pray for Gordon and Lizzie today and every day because, you know, we need it. Pray for me too because, you know, need prayers too. <laughs> How are you feeling post-wedding, Gordon? Post-wedding? Well, pre-wedding and then we'll talk about post-wedding. Yeah, you just Pre- said post-wedding, so I was like, I, I'm, I did. I'm sure I'm feeling great. How are you feeling now about the wedding, which is going to be happening in a few days? Um, I feel I feel good about it. I mentioned this to you, but I didn't mention it to the the people's... But at this point, it would be more than true. Me and Lizzie got our own place, which wasn't something we thought would even be possible. But it it is, and it's happening. And so right now, as we're recording, like a few days ago, that was my biggest concern. Like I was more stressed about that because it just by the time it was approved and we needed to figure certain things out that you need to know for an apartment, which is my first time ever doing anything like this. I was like, oh, gosh, we only have three days. And it's like going into the weekend. Things might be closed, blah, 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 blah. And while Lizzie was like, I need to get work done and we need to do wedding stuff. I was like, the wedding can wait. We got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't because she was stressed out. So I just thought those thoughts in my head. So if she ever listens to this episode, she'll find out that I was really frustrated and stressed. <laughs> but that's all been figured out. Yeah. And so for me, at this point in the journey to the wedding, it's like we're coasting. For Lizzie, that's not so much because today she's like meeting with someone who she wants to help with the decorations and she's creating a decorating team. And that's like it's really like the decorations and yeah, is all that really need to be done at this point. And then mm-hmm. at this point, it's like everything that is left is stuff that you can only do the day of. So it's like, OK, fingers Don't crossed. Stress. Hopefully yeah. it comes together. Yeah, and it's cool though. Next week, you know, my family will be in town, friends will be in town, and it's it's just it's exciting. Yeah, it'll be fun. Part of the reason why you weren't sure if you were going to be able to get an apartment or a house or a place to live on y'all's own is because you guys are both missionaries. Yeah, we're both missionaries. Yeah. If people feel really bad for you and want to contribute because you guys are both super poor and only have money off of salary or off of uh, donations for the most part. Yeah. How can people help you out as a wedding present? So if it's like a one-time thing, because I don't want it to be 
something out of pity. <laughs> um, so if it's the one time thing of like, oh, I'm a listener and yeah, happy happy wedding. Here's a gift. Well, then you you know, adoreministries.com. You can find like donate button. Yeah, just donate. You find my name, that type of thing. You can also go to our registry because we actually put it on there. If you want to see our website, totally cool. It's pretty legit. That's zola.com forward slash wedding forward slash I love you 3000. In game, it just came out and you can't change the website name anymore. So, There's a lot of really bad puns and inside jokes. And yeah, but it's, it's on the registry. If you're more interested in what we actually do and like, supporting us because part of our mission is now going to be our marriage and you know family god willing type thing then reach out to me and i can kind of explain more of what we do because it's the idea of supporting monthly is more if we have a heart in this then there's someone else who has a heart in this who can't do what we do but wants to make that possible and if you're listening to this and you're like yeah that i do love missionary work and like you're a missionary in texas as it makes sense we we just we want to cultivate bringing jesus to the margins and and communities and really we're youth ministers so to the kids in churches where if we weren't there no one else would be so if you want to learn more about that reach out to me that's gordon at adoreministries.com or reach out to our website and say my name and i, I can say talk my about name that. say my name yeah and don't feel like you guys ha- have to Speaking of, is that Lizzie? Yeah. <laughs> you can come in. Because she's loud. We were just talking about you. What were you saying? We were talking about the wedding because this episode comes out on the day. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Hey, Clint. Hello. You said hello. Okay. I was about to say I can't hear what he's saying. Yeah. He's wearing pajamas, like gym shorts. I'm not wearing it. No, I'm just kidding. He's not wearing anything. I knew that's what he said. I would expect nothing less. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I would. Yep. Okay. I don't know how to. (laughs) You said yep. Okay. (laughs) Because I said I would expect nothing less, but it's like I would expect that. More. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would expect him to not be wearing anything. Mm. I'm so glad this is all getting recorded. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you 3000. Get it? Because that's your <laughs> yeah. website. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so like I was saying, you don't feel like you guys have to contribute to this, but yeah, I mean, these two are both doing really good work, and a lot of, actually, all of what they do comes from donations from cool people like you guys. So please that's consider it. That's true. Speaking of your family and friends coming into town, though, at your bachelor party, we played a really cool drawing game, which I don't know what it was called, but you have to draw something that everyone except for one person knows what it is is there actually a name for that game yeah if you want to buy it there is actually like it's called um, a fake artist goes to new york oh wow that's a really long title okay it's funny because it just it's all it is is a small box that comes with prompts but doesn't give you anything to draw on so you still got to find like paper or a wall okay (laughs) or a wall yeah so i taught that game to my family and we played it for christmas so did they love it yeah, so starting last year, we started doing like games and stuff as a family because we're all getting older. So we did minute to win it challenges last year, but we decided that was a little lopsided because two of my siblings are really athletic and then myself and my younger brother are not. And so this year we did trivia and the trivia was super lopsided because it was like almost entirely Star Wars questions. <laughs> 
or questions from the 80s that none of us knew. So my brother and I, the younger one, just dominated the Star Wars questions. So, okay, we need a different game. And I brought this game up and it was so fun, dude. We got everyone playing it. It was, it was awesome. It was really cool. Nate taught his family and they also played and his grandma had no idea what was going on the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my brothers were um, drinking a little. And so yeah. it, it took them a little bit to figure out what was going on, too. Uh, but it was so much fun. I got four times in a row. I was the fake. And oh, wow. I, got, I won three of them. So I just want to point that out. So yeah. come at me. Yeah. We didn't really explain the game. But if you want to check it out. If you just look up Fake RS Goes to New York gameplay on like YouTube, you can see how it works. It is a really fun game. You don't need the game to buy it. Just do it yourself. It's an awesome uh, party game. Yeah, fantastic. Speaking of games, this is one of the some of the media that I took in. I got a new game for Christmas. Um, is it Pokemon Sword or Shield? It is not. It's a board game. Ooh, uh, okay. Called Mysterium. So it's basically... It don't read like what it's about too much because then it's I don't care about it. But some some people that I might play it with might because it's kind of like seancey. But that's just like the background. It's really fun. It's basically Clue where it's like a whodunit type game. But it's but, demons. No, but it's harder. <laughs> so it's like the ghost of the person murdered is giving each person visions to a person, place, and thing. And it's all you have to interpret and the ghost can't speak, and it's really oh. hard, but it's really, like, the artwork is pretty. I haven't played it yet, but I've spent two days reading the rule book and watching videos of people playing it so that when I play it, I know how to play it. So that's... I haven't really been taking in the actual gameplay yet. I've been taking in the rules and watching other people play. Almost like Twitch, but on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's the same thing without the community, so almost not the same thing at all. <laughs> I actually uh, a lot of did, people do that on YouTube though. I actually I, did get a Twitch. <gasps> no way. And Ruby doesn't know this, but I actually got on one of her times while she was cooking for like three minutes, and every things were happening and stuff, and I was really overwhelmed, and I didn't know what to do, and I said hi, and she never acknowledged me, and so I just left. Oh yeah, she she gets really busy because there's so many people, but. That's which one were you on? Was I on? I don't know. It was like last week, and she was giving away like they were bidding for some type of gift. Oh yeah, I wasn't there. Okay. Dang. Okay. Well, she listens. So she, whenever this comes out on your on your wedding day, she's gonna figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. And now I just keep getting updates because I followed the three people I know exist on Twitch World, which is Bearded Belevens, her, and the Bonsai Bros. And every time they're live, my email's like, they are live! Like, ah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, those are the three main people that I follow. Bonsai too. Bros are on like three times a day. It's because they're twins. They can play like on different <laughs> schedules. It's not even fair. Yeah. And then other than that, Lizzie's brother got me Switch Online, which oh. if you get it, it's cool. Well, I don't know what games you have, but you can play certain things together. It's only like 20 bucks a year, but when you get it, rather than also playing games you already own online with like you do with other games, it also gives you like classic NES games that you can play. And so I've been playing like the old classic like Kirby games. So this is like what allows you to play with people over the internet kind of thing? Yeah. Or, so like yeah, I can play Smash Brothers now with other people or my brother who also has live. But it also gives you free downloads uh, to like NES games and such. 
I think I have it then because my brother got like a family pack. Oh, uh, yes. A family deal can, or something. You can do that. It's like $5 more. So over $25 instead of 20 you can give it to like seven people. Yeah, then I have it. Yeah. So, so. I've been playing a lot of Kirby and uh, Kirby is weird. Like I don't understand the lore of Kirby at all. Neither do I. They yeah. just like food and inhaling stuff. You just like King, suck stuff in, yeah. Yeah, but literally like King DDD, his nemesis, and him just are fighting over food and doesn't explain why. I mean, there's a lot of wars that happen over the same thing, so I, it's I get true. it. It's true. Speaking of games, I've taken in a couple of games too. One that I've only played it once, but it was pretty fun. It's called Flapjacks and Sasquatches. Okay. And you're basically a lumberjack. And do you ever play RuneScape? No, but I know about it. Okay. I've so, seen it. So like when you cut down trees in RuneScape, like depending on what tree you get, it takes you extra long, but you might get more wood out of cutting that tree than you would just a smaller tree. Yeah. That's kind of the same way this game works, except it's all with cards. So you draw a tree card, and depending on what type of tree you draw, it takes a certain number of swings to cut it down. But if it's a bigger tree, which takes more swings, then you get more wood. And it's like, who collects the wood the fastest, basically? And then there's flapjacks that boost you, and then there's uh, sasquatches that like slow things down, kind of. So there's like attack and boost cards. That's kind of a fun one. And then I played my friends chelsea and lucas we played uh what was it called small world which okay. we didn't realize we were playing it wrong until three quarters away through the game so chelsea absolutely dominated us but basically there's like this small world like an island and you're trying to inhabit it with races so it's almost like D in that there's race and class and you don't get to choose your race or class really well, you, you kind of do. There's like five options that are, they're paired together and you have to choose one of them, basically. But it switches throughout the game because once you have kind of used up your race class combo, you put them into decline and you choose a different one and you come in with that one and you just invade the country. And it's just like all about attack, 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 mm-hmm. and then get rid of that race and start it with a new one. I don't know. It's interesting. It's a lot of like capturing stuff over and over again. That was fun, too. Nice. Um, and then I forgot to mention this a while back, but I watched Toy Story 4 back at like the start oh, of December. That was really good. It was it was OK. I don't know. It just seemed a lot different than the original Toy Stories. It was pretty funny. And then the last thing that I've been taking in. The Mandalorian. Called... Oh, well, I've said that like every week. So, yeah, I, I finished that. The King. It's on Netflix. It's about. Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, you, you watched it? No, wait. Maybe I'm thinking about The Crown. No, it's The King. Okay. So it's a movie on Netflix that's about a British king who doesn't want to be king. He was like a prince, didn't want to be. And his dad like disowned him and everything and made his younger brother the king. But then his younger brother got killed. So he was kind of forced into it. And so it's about like how he becomes king and how he handles it. Robert Pattinson plays the French prince. So that's really weird because he has an awful French accent, but it's a pretty good movie. I was a fan. Okay. And that's all I've taken in. But nice. you have one last thing that you didn't mention. Well, because I mentioned it in the other episode, but I also watched over Christmas break all of season two of Mindhunter, which is something that I got Clint to binge season one and two like months ago. I feel like yeah. it was three months ago. 
And during this time, I was like, I'm going to watch it too, and then we'll do a podcast on it. And that never happened. Until today. Yes. And we've done serial killers once before. Um, I think there's like that classic trope. And I think actually you brought it up when you were watching it, where you were just like, what is the fascination of it? Because like at the time you were watching it, that had come out. But then also like some other serial killer shows had come out and you're like on Netflix. It's it's this whole year, like 2019 people have just been, I guess, last year. Oh, it's weird. That's 2020. This whole 2019, people have just been obsessed with like shows about serial killers, and it was kind of unsettling. Yeah, and so you're like, I just want to talk about that. Like, what's that fascination? And so we actually did do that in season two. Me and our other co-host Steve. If you ever missed his voice, you can go check this episode out. It's on uh, the Ted Bundy tapes, which is a movie with Zach. Efron. I almost said Zach Braff. That's not right. Zach Efron. <laughs> and yeah, like what that is. And so we're going to handle this topic a little differently where we might talk about that a, a, in the beginning, but it's going to be not quite the same. So hopefully. Very brief. I mean, yeah. So just to catch you up, there's two seasons now on this show, which is one of my favorite shows. It's so good. But it's also extremely intense and disturbing. And the stuff that they explain is really like no holds bars on like how these murders were done and how these killings were done so if that's like really hard for you to hear as far as like things happening to certain age groups or how they do it and very explicit gruesome and i will even say now sexual ways then i would rec- not recommend watching the show yeah it's, it's definitely for adults as well there's some uh, questionable scenes in there yeah so the characters are we have holden ford who is one of the FBI agents alongside his at first begrudgingly, but at this point they're kind of weird friends, Bill Tench, and then Dr. Wendy Carr. I can't remember, is she in season one? Uh, yes. Okay. So Dr. Wendy Carr, and I think that's mostly the three from season one, right? Yeah. Holden Ford, by the way, is Jonathan Groff, who yes. is the guy from Frozen that plays Sven and Kristoff. Kristoff. That is correct, which is he's, so weird. He's also in Hamilton. Like he's that. also based off a real FBI agent. Both of them are, but they just changed the names. Yeah. And so essentially Holden Ford studies the minds of killers who have killed more than once. So this is like takes place in like the late 60s, kind of early 70s, and in the second season in the 80s, early 80s. And this is a time where the term serial killer, what we know now and what we were fascinated by, like all these shows, didn't exist. At this time, okay, this person killed a bunch of people and they got, they got, it was proved and they were arrested. So at the time, it was just like, if you can prove that this person was tied to this murder, then they can be charged for it. And if it's, they're found guilty, then they'll go to jail. So the people that were put behind bars for what is now termed serial killing, they were actually connected to all those cases. And so Holden Forrest is like, well, how do we stop them from killing multiple times? Like if we have to understand what they're thinking, what their motives are. And I, and I think maybe if we can figure out their characteristics and their personality traits rather than waiting till it's done to find proof and evidence, then we can stop them ahead of time. Yeah, he recognized that there's a psychology behind the people who do these serial it, murders yeah, it takes a special kind of person to do this right and so it's kind of like how do we understand this type of person because it's not like a normal murder where maybe it's a, a thing of passion or just a random killing these people 
and they talk about this, like often premeditated and like they have a certain way of doing things and there's a reason why they do them. And a lot of it comes up to like how they were raised or something that happened in their childhood. Yeah. And Dr. Wendy Carr is the one who like understands psychology and kind of agrees on this thing. And so she's the one after they're going and interviewing certain people behind bars, she's the one dissecting the conversation and helping coming up with a formula. Whereas Bill Tench is an FBI agent who is kind of like, the muscle, the classic like 50s drinking American, you know, living the American dream type lifestyle with his family, who at first is like, I don't get it, but then kind of notice the similarities. And then there's a big trope where Holden always jumps the gun and does something stupid and you get frustrated with him. And so Bill becomes the one to kind of like rain hold it in. And then in the new season two, or also season one, there is Ed Kemper who is one of the serial killers that in season one is like the major one that they go and like interview. And yeah. but in season two, you notice they go back to him time to time to question them about future serial killers. Like, oh, this is something new we haven't seen. Why would they do this? And he actually is like wants to help that not really help. It's more of a pride thing because he is also one of those certain type of people. But he's like, I know these things like if this if your guy actually does do what I've done, then this is this is where he'll do it or this is what how he's going to do it. He likes to talk about himself. Oh, yes. Yeah, and I don't know if you ever like went in and checked this out, but basically every single one of the serial killers that they portray is actually extremely spot on. Facial characteristics, oh, yeah. the, the way they yeah. move their mouth even. Yeah. Like if you put a side-by-side of these actual interviews in real life, it's insanely accurate. Yeah, these I actors up, did a fantastic job. I remember looking up Kemper when I saw season one, and then last night I actually looked up the guy from Georgia and like the makeup and everything is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one from Atlanta. I don't know if you noticed this. There's, so there's one from Houston, but when they're talking about the guy from Houston, they actually mentioned serial killer from league city. Mm, that they did do. You, did you notice I did. that? I did. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of creepy, but yeah, it's only a few miles from where you are right now. So you have Greg Smith who joins them as another person as their unit expands because this guy named director gun comes and starts funding this project he's like this is great because at this time they're in a basement by the police force and everybody else they're kind of shunned because it's like this is a dumb idea we still need evidence and it's hard to actually make headway so dr gunn comes in and he's like i have money i have resources i think this is brilliant i'm gonna fund you guys so he wants to hire new people so greg smith is someone who comes in and starts kind of helping them in season two and then jim barney who when we when it kind of moves from where they're at in texas to georgia in season two he's someone that was gonna get greg smith position but didn't get it and so he's working for the police force over in georgia but still using holden's methods and so he's just as smart and just as he kind of like wants to use this style in georgia and then we also kind of have nancy who is tench's wife and that's really the main characters. There's like a lot of characters, a lot of other serial killers involved, but those are like the main ones. I'm not going to ruin much of the story, so you can go and watch that. And then the way I want to approach this episode is rather than talking about serial killing, really, and like that fascination, I'm going to exchange when we say serial killer or psychopath for the theme of evil like pure evil or sin and the broken nature or even like the devil and satan and the enemy and i want to make a clarification that i made to (laughs) clint earlier i am not making that correlation saying that a psychopath or a serial killer is satan 
or is the devil or is pure evil, but they have this brokenness that has overtaken them in a way in, in their actions, but they still are a human being. And I will get to that later when we start going over some quotes. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of the show is like we're not trying to make a direct analogy to certain things. It's basically just saying what do we find about our own spiritual lives in these stories, and that's where that yeah. comes from. And in the same way that Holden wants to better understand serial killers, because that's something outside of our grasp of knowledge, which is one of the reasons why we, we can be fascinated to those things. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make this correlation to brokenness and sin so that this episode can actually become more relatable to our own lives yes, rather sure. than just we're talking about anything else. And so the first thing I want to talk about was exactly what I already kind of opened up about what the show's about. And it's like they noticed that, one, we can talk about the fascination of these things that we have. But like I said, that's already in one episode. But in this fascination that Holden has, like, okay, I think there's another way we can do this. They can't just start doing the thing. They can't just start like like finding, okay, there's someone we think is a serial killer. Let's use these methods that we actually haven't developed yet to stop him. They have to start by studying other documents, going and interviewing serial killers and studying these things in order to build a method or create like patterns. And I think the same thing can happen when it comes to the world that is broken because of the fall or sinfulness. It's not something that we can just like right out of the womb. We're like, okay, I know how to not sin. I know how to like be morally good and stay on that path. It's something that we learn over time. And it takes like this passion and desire, which is another word for like fascination. And it takes time to study. Studying is one of Adore's rules of life to study well. And that means reading scripture following the ways that Jesus has taught us, uh, reading the church fathers or whatever, studying and being fascinated about something with like a true desire is is important in order to overcome sin. So do you want to like chime in on that too in any way? Not a whole lot. I mean, it's just a lot of, you need to, what is it? Know thyself, right? That's yeah. the quote. And so like, if you, if you study sin, like sin's going to be different for everyone. Something that might be tempting to one person might not be tempting to another necessarily. Doesn't mean you should go and do that situation anyways. <laughs> but regardless, like there are certain things that we just know are wrong or that are going to affect us, right? And right. so by, I guess what you're saying, studying, you can start to see there are different patterns in your spiritual life of like what leads you to sin. And that's what we talk about with near occasions of sin. If you say the act of contrition, that should be something that's pretty familiar to you to avoid the near occasion of sin. The only way you can avoid the near occasion of sin is to know what those near occasions of sin are for you. And it's not necessarily like the immediate thing of like, I don't know, when I do X, then Y happens. Sometimes it's like you have to stop at, I don't know, W, so you don't ever get to X. And then Y doesn't actually happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm using letters, but I'm trying to think of like a good example. I don't know, maybe like sexual temptations would be a good good analogy because like sometimes it takes a lot of things to lead up to the uh, the temptation so i don't know let, let's say like uh, an addiction to pornography right so if you're trying to avoid pornography then your ex in that case your near occasion of sin might be like being alone with some device where you could view that right but your debut might be like withdrawing yourself from relationships and conversations because Science shows that if you have good, healthy interactions with people, you're actually less likely to withdraw yourself into 
those alone times seeking that device. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or even in another, I think for some of our listeners might be more easily relatable if that's not something is like relationships, maybe, uh, especially if it's like boyfriend, girlfriend. I remember mm-hmm. in like high school, this was something. It's like knowing your maybe X, Y, and Z is okay. If we decide to be watch this movie in our room, the door is closed and we're sitting on the bed. Right. Well, probably not going to be watching the movie in 30 minutes. And what we start out doing is fine, but it, it's it can easily lead to one thing or another. And so it's like, hey, we shouldn't be sitting on the bed. Let's get like really uncomfortable wooden chairs that are separate and sit in those, or let's have the door open, <laughs> or let's go to the living room where other people yeah. are at and let's watch this movie together. Or just leave the door open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like changing those all those factors, like yeah. you said, to those W's. So thanks. Exactly. So but in season one, we quickly see as Holden is studying serial killers his fascination grows to almost like this weird joy of like he really for a lack of better words like gets off to like learning about these serial killers it's almost like a high for him that he's chasing the next big serial killer and he wants to like talk to them and meet them and he it's almost like pride too where he's like i am i just talked to ed kemper and and like one of the things he mentions in season one and then in season two again is he really wants to get to Charles Manson because mm-hmm. Manson is like crazy big in the media, but also like different than any other serial killer because actually hasn't killed anyone personally. And it's this whole thing and it grows and grows into where it's more of obsession and more of like controlling him. And he almost become he crosses boundaries in interviews that he shouldn't. And he's he's not sticking to the method that they've sort of started because he thinks that he can change the method. He thinks that he knows better and he can get more out of a serial killer by doing certain things to where in the end, Ed Kemper hugs him, like stands up, hugs him. And I don't know if you know anything about Kemper in like real life or not, but he's huge. Yeah, he's like, like seven feet. Ginormous. And so when he's hugging him like in hospital, it's literally this moment where, like, if he wanted to, he could kill Holden. And mm-hmm. Holden realizes that and has this crazy panic attack and runs out and realizes what was good at first became bad. And it's like, where did that happen? And that's like the end of season one. And so I kind of want to talk about that and the idea of what we were just talking about, studying and knowing thyself and how this idea of knowing our sins and knowing our own nature can become too much to where it's kind of like controlling ourselves and or we can obsess over something. This desire to understand something becomes almost negative. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Well, I, th- I think you really hit on it with pride. It's this idea that once we know what it is, then we can completely just root it out and like, oh, that doesn't affect me because I know about it. There's a lot of steps in between knowing about it and it no longer affecting you and odds are it'll probably always have an effect on you if it's a sin that you struggle with at some point in your life having it around is going to have some kind of effect on you in the future and that's why i mean for a lot of people who quit smoking or drinking they have to go completely cold turkey and get rid of those things out of their life entirely because if they're sitting around you're going to go back to it but also going off of what you're saying it's kind of like a scrupulosity where you know your sin so well that it really starts to beat you up because okay no, yeah well i think maybe maybe it's not where you're going but sometimes in order to overcome sins you might put up 
too many boundaries out of fear to where you can't live your life. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly where I'm going. Yeah. I think that's kind of like what we're seeing with Holden, but on the opposite where he, he doesn't put up any boundaries. And because of that, he's where he should. (laughs) Right. But in, in the same way, like he's, he's so obsessed with the knowledge that he allows the, the pursuit of that and the pursuit of like what his goal is to actually hinder him in a lot of different ways. I think, I think what this boils down to is the idea of living in a world of brokenness or sin. This thing that when we talk about serial killers, that's like the theme of why we're fascinated to those stories. Living in this world of brokenness and sin in, in the midst of extremes. Like when we live our lives hinged on Christ and wanting to make it to heaven, we got to be careful with not being too extreme of, you know, being too, doing like setting up too many boundaries so that we don't stumble and then like like you said having this pride of well i love christ enough i pray every day all these things so i have no boundaries because i know i'm nothing's going to happen to me Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah i mean it's temperance right yes part of the problem with like putting up too many boundaries is also like what happens when those boundaries aren't there anymore because it's not the it's not your self-control that's mastering you or like helping you avoid sin it's these boundaries and you're not actually developing a a spiritual like muscle to avoid those temptations you're just eliminating them so you don't have to address the temptations yeah and it's it's also something when we look at the great saints you know they were never writing like i did this this and this to avoid sin it was god forgive me a sinner you know it was this humility of like i am a sinner and i know I will only become my pure self when I am with you and just I'm leaning on your cross and I'm leaning on your mercy and your grace to get through this rather than walking a life of like, I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try not to do that. And I, I won't do this. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, I think there's like obviously some small things that they did do to avoid stuff yes. like that. But it, like you said, it, it's balance. It's, it's temperance. It's knowing you're not going to get rid of every aspect of your life just to avoid temptation because temptation exists and other examples media examples i found of like holden's story in this thanos is one who of of, of his pride uh, of, of of an obsession he ended up snapping his fingers and you know destroying half the population because that was his goal that he thought it was what was right and it was an obsession of of balance which was wrong dr frankenstein who and the same, we can say, I can say the next one is together. Jurassic Park or Dr. Frank signs the same thing. It's yeah, like I think this those idea two are great. of playing God and like wanting to see if, if you can create life from death or Jurassic Park bringing extinct things to life, which is, it's once again, it's okay to study that and it's okay to be fascinated with that idea and see if it's possible, but actually doing it and actually there was a point where it becomes too far and we see the result of that in Frankenstein and in Jurassic Park. They should have learned before making five other movies but they didn't learn and thus we have dinosaurs running around the world another theme that's really important is and we talk about this all the time but we also talked about this last episode the idea of community and the idea really of like nurture what what we learn especially it's repeated now that they've like studied enough and they've kind of learned sort of a methodology 
still it's still not perfect and that's the problem with this show with holden he still thinks what they've learned is fact and it's he puts causes tunnel vision but they know that like every person who ends up doing what they call multiple murders or now they're kind of saying the term serial killers it's like like clint said it's not out of passion it's not out of like i'm mad at this person or I, or this person has insurance and if they die i get all this money it's it's something that's driven more like in advance and usually sexually driven is what they found and usually comes up from this like broken background of childhood trauma i mean it's not perfect because then they still find other people who are like well it doesn't make sense like he came up with good parents and, and good backgrounds but there's this idea that it almost draws that like there's a lack of community and a lack of love in in what they experienced that might have led to th- how they're acting out now. Yeah, and I I think one thing I want to point out is that it's obvious that this is not normal human nature. Like everyone recognizes like serial killers are like that's not how we were meant to be, and that's why it's so fascinating to study them because this is it's an anomaly. It's it's an exception to who we are meant to be. And I think what you're talking about here with the broken background, it shows like what made this normal person no longer fit like what we are made to be as humans. And like that's the fascination. It's like what took this normal person and made them something else. Right. And that's not to say like these people are not human in like the biological or like the real sense or that they don't have value, but it is saying like in their moral nature they are acting in inhuman ways right and we've, we've talked about that before how our our actions our sins actually make us morally and spiritually less human and i think that this is one of those things that's that's happening is we're seeing this lack of love this lack of nurture this lack of community that you talked about is leading to destroy them spiritually literally yeah yeah and it made me think when i was like preparing this I mean, this is two weeks or a week, week and a half after, but when this is coming out, but when we're recording, we're recording like a day after the celebration of the Holy Family. Mm-hmm. And in the gospel reading, it's when, you know, Joseph is told by an angel to flee to Egypt because to avoid the hand of Herod. So he dies and then come back. But then when he's told to come back, Joseph is kind of scared because he realized who took on the throne, but he trusts in God and all these things. And the homily that the priest was talking about was not based on really this that scripture, but just in the celebration of the Holy Family, it's something to be recognized that when God sent the angel to declare unto Mary, like, you will betroth a son and you shall name him Jesus and it's going to be the son of God. He didn't just do that and then Mary was on her own in this. He then went to Joseph and said, be with Mary because you will have, she was going to have a son and he will be, you know, named Emmanuel. All these things because he knew, like, it, nothing can be done alone. Like, there is this need for family. Mary couldn't do it alone, raising Jesus. Joseph couldn't have, like, left her on her own or or really been alone either. He needed Mary and all these things. And there's this desire in us for family. That's why we have families. Desire in us for community and just for love. The really, the act of nurturing and, like, the idea, this argument of nature versus nurture. Nurturing is just properly loving someone as they're going along their journey. And I know we've talked about this before in certain episodes, I think it was maybe two or three ago, like, I know it's hard to say, like, we're meant for family, because some people don't really grow up or have literal family, like by blood. But family is any community that is around you. Uh, Like we talked about in the last episode of Kloss, 
right? Where he lost his family and then all the elves and stuff come and they're like, you do have a family. This is it. We're your family. That's what we're meant for. And that's what, I mean, it's not always going to be the case, but that's really what kind of is, is needed in this journey that we talk about in this podcast. I mean, we're made for communion, right? And the family is just a way of representing the communion of God. So we've talked about the theology of the body behind that and how we're made in God's image and likeness, how God, the Father, we have the giver, God the Son is the receiving of that love, and then from them comes the Holy Spirit. In a similar way, we have a human father who gives of himself, a wife who receives of herself, and from them comes a third child, right? And so that's not to say, like, going off of what you're talking about, obviously there is a difference between a biological family that a otherwise community cannot replace but there's something to like we desire communion above above all things and it's because we're made to image god yeah okay so in this last part i'm going to say some quotes from the show and we're going to break open how those can relate so these first two this is one of the ones where the word serial killer or psychopath means the enemy or satan so the first quote is by dr wendy carr And she says, psychopaths are extremely skilled at imitating human emotions. It's how they manipulate the other people or how they gain power over their environment. And the other one, the next one says, manipulation, domination, control. These are the three watchwords of violent serial offenders. Do you see where I went with that? Yeah, I mean, Satan, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all about like the screw tape letters kind of mentality, right? How Mm -hmm. Satan and how demons kind of influence us or they're very it says they're very skilled at imitating human emotions mm-hmm. uh, or manipulation domination control uh it's all about how how to manipulate people to get what you want i think that's, that's exactly it like that's what satan does he understands humans in a way that we as humans don't even understand and so because of that he he can tempt us in ways that we we don't recognize, especially if we're not pursuing that self-knowledge of, of what our temptations right. are. Yeah. And then I added this third quote to reiterate why that talk about Satan isn't directly correlated to actual like serial killers. And, it, and Holden says, it's a riddle, but it can be solved. It's complex, but it's human. And so it's, it's talking about like these murders, like it's, it, it is something that we can't understand or we can't figure out right now, but it can be solved and it's complex. But these things we can't understand, we have to, he's like, we have to remember that it's still all human. Like these are people who, whether they're thinking or in their right mind right now, which we know they're not, there is something in them that is who they are. This is not who they are. And there is something in them that's human. And that's why we're able to track these mistakes because really in their heart, whether they know it or not, they don't want to do these things. I get what you're saying. I, I disagree with like part of this. So fine. what you're saying it's out of context for sure. Yeah. But, so what you're saying, I agree with the fact that because there's humans involved, like there's something in there that has value and that we can understand and that we can, we can help. Part that I disagree with is I think he's mostly talking about how this is something that is natural among humans. And so we should be able to figure it out. And I disagree with that because humans we weren't made to kill each other yeah yeah. okay Uh, and so by its very nature of the action of murder like it's inhuman so 
spiritually and morally, I think it's an inhuman thing. But I see where you're coming with because humans are involved. There's something about that that we can understand. Maybe if we can't sympathize with them necessarily because of the, the way that these serial killers are thinking, there's something human within them still. And so there's hope. Yep. I'm going to read this one and I'm going to see what you think about it first. And then I'll say why I put it on there wonderful so it's once again holding forward from season one and he says you get onto a crowded elevator and you face the opposite direction the back of the elevator everybody freaks out they're uncomfortable for reasons they can't even articulate but if you turn around and face the front everybody relaxes yeah i remember this because i remember thinking about this quote and being like oh my gosh he's right like one of the most That's a real fun experiment experiment too if you ever want just go do that on an elevator and just watch people. Just I love elevator pranks. I don't know why, but elevators are one of the most uncomfortable places in the world. Yeah. But yeah, so basically like this is everyone wants you to go the same direction. Everyone wants you to do what the obvious or what the what was the phrase I used a couple episodes ago? The the grain. Do what the grain yeah. wants you to do, right? The grain and culture. Ooh, yeah. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> and if you do anything that's contrary or unexpected people panic right and that's even in batman the dark knight with joker where you're like oh yeah you do, do one little thing out of the ordinary and everyone loses their minds and so it's all about like anytime you do something that is against the grain people are going to panic because it makes them uncomfortable and i think that is what holden's trying to point out i don't remember the context of this because it's been a while since i've seen it but i'm assuming he's talking about how Serial killers are just doing things that are against the grain. And so because of that, they should be able to figure it out. Um, I don't remember the context because of season one, but actually I think it's the opposite. I think is what he's saying about serial killers is they're actually facing the front. And that's why they blend in. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And so that's actually why I threw it in is because well, this is true. And there is to what you're saying, it's also true. Like it's not wrong to do something that might be that goes back to traditions. It's okay sometimes to like break that, maybe, depending. Not all traditions are good, and people shouldn't freak out. But there's also a grain to follow if we're talking about this the theme of this podcast. But the reason I, I brought that up is because I was also thinking about like us as Christians, us as Catholics, and going into the motions. Sometimes, whether it's ourselves or others, they look like they're following this journey and doing everything right. But they're just blending in and really spiritually they're not doing anything for their soul. Are you familiar with the person I don't I don't remember the details or the names on this, but a, a lady came forward who was uh, part of a communist group. I don't even remember what it was, probably sixties or seventies something, and she helped like get communist uh, people into the church and a lot of them became priests and stuff. No. So uh, it was like this whole communist like plan to infiltrate the church and to take it down from the inside basically in the 60s and 70s i believe and the whole idea was as long as we pretend to go the same direction kind of like you're saying here uh, we'll fit right in and we can get away with whatever we want yeah and so there's some people who think like the whole scandal and everything is traced back to this uh -huh. infiltra infiltration and stuff like that i haven't done enough research into it to be able to speak into it but it's it'd be something to do some research on if you guys are interested yeah. now bringing this up I want to talk about it in more of a personal like level, just like going in the motions, being aware of that. Yeah. But I don't want you to leave this podcast and now like see everyone around you in your church and you just be, you just can't trust them. And you're like, oh no, like they just seem normal, but they're not. Don't do that because then you're just 
now now you're gonna just be real paranoid where you're paranoid every time you go home and the lock is unlocked don't don't be bill tench don't be bill tench <laughs> so it's just more of one of those things studying and being aware of ourselves because maybe we aren't and we haven't done an examine of our day in a while and we realize like nope i'm praying and i'm being nice and you're like no actually i'm praying but i haven't actually spoken or taken time to listen to god and he's been telling me something and it's been years so that's it last quote another controversial one because it's from charles manson himself and so i'm not saying charles manson said anything spiritually it's just us doing our thing but he says in this one interview, which I was amped for until it actually happened, and it was just like a bit, and I was like, oh, man. He says, I've always been yours. I've been in your cell since I was eight years old. I don't even have a name. I'm B33920. A bell rings, I get up. A bell rings, I go out. A bell rings, I do what the bell says. I'm Pavlov's dog, man. I'm anything you want me to be. But what you want is a fiend, because that's what you are. See, I never had any say in your world. You created it. How do you feel about those murders? That's what counts. Happened in your world, not mine. Do you have anything on that alone? The the initial part about like just doing what you're told, what the bell says, kind of goes off what you're just saying. The part after that is kind of like pushing it off and saying like, it almost seems relativistic to me of like, this is happening in your world. It says you created it. What you feel about those murders, that's what counts. And so it seems very relativistic. And he's kind of putting it into into Holden's court. Like, you figure it out. Like, you you decide. It's your world. And in this interview, if I remember correctly, it's very much like Charles Manson was in his own world. He was like um, make, he was making crazy. stuff up. It was insane. And so that's kind of what I got out of it is like it's very this is your world. My world's different. Like that's not right. what happened in my the truth. World. Yeah. Your truth, my truth. Yeah. So a lot of relativity. Yeah. What he was saying isn't literal, but if you were to take it literally, another thing that I got out of this was the scripture of like seeing the splinter and your neighbor's eye without seeing the log in your own. And so what he's telling Holden is like, you see me as a bad person because you're a bad person and you're just putting that on me to make you feel better. Like if I'm the bad person, then then I'm worse than you and you're not as bad as you think you are. So I think sometimes we can do that where it's yeah. like something we're struggling with, but then we see someone else doing something and we're like, hey, you can't be doing that. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so that was another reason I brought that up. Too. Yeah, so that's the part. But what you want is a fiend because that's what you are. That's what you're referencing. Yeah. For sure. Uh, which is one of those things. If we're not becoming aware of ourselves and, and really trying to lean in on christ and, and kind of walk this journey with him i think that's the biggest takeaway for this is like we can't do anything without christ then we end up seeing all the issues around us with other people without without seeing our own mm-hmm. and that's really all i had planned for this episode like i said didn't ruin anything go check it out if this seems like something up your alley don't if you don't want to so challenges then i think the first one pretty pretty basic of what we've been talking about is know yourself. So think about, let's start with just one, start with one sin that you really struggle with that maybe really frustrates you and start asking yourself, what are my near occasions of sin? And don't just focus on the why, like the closest near occasion of sin. Okay. What causes that? And then what causes that? And maybe think about like, 
what parts of that chain can you maybe tweak or cut out that might not be that won't really just destroy your ability to just live life and i'm not saying live freely do whatever you want kind of thing but that won't i don't know you don't want to just like lock yourself in a cage figure out what are some things just really simple things that you can cut out to make that chain of near occasions of sin uh, a little bit easier i'm really that type of examine is really all I had. So since we've been doing multiple challenges, the only other one I will add would be just take a time this week, however long you desire, to just be with God. Whether that's in adoration, whether that's in the silence of your own home, like just whether that's when you're driving, if that's where you have time to turn the radio off and just sit in silence, or in nature, just take some time this week out of the, out of the ordinary than you usually would to just take some time to be with God. Please pray for us. We pray for you. That's that's how it works, right? Mutual exchange of prayers. Yeah. Cool. Any shout outs this week? For everyone who made the wedding possible. Yeah, a wedding. Of, a lot of people has made that possible. It would take too long to name them all. But for everyone involved, because it's crazy. I don't have any specific names. Just everyone who I got to see over, over Christmas and, and New Year's. I was back in Iowa for quite some time so it's cool to get to see a lot of people nice yeah so with that thank you guys for joining us on the adventure this week it's been an awesome year we're excited for this new year of 2020 so thanks for being a part of it don't forget to share this show with anyone that you think might might be interested in it also if you didn't know this we're on a lot of new platforms in the last since the last couple months and one of them is iHeartRadio and a couple other other radio platforms. So I'm going to try this right now. Alexa, play the Christ in Culture podcast. If that didn't work, go near an Alexa. You can do it. I tried it. And you can play the podcast on any Alexa device as well. Don't forget Spotify, all those different things. You can find us in every place that you can uh, listen to us on our website, which is thechristinculture.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at On the Adventure 2. Facebook and YouTube, where you can also find our episodes, The Christ in Culture. And then if you enjoy the show, don't forget to please give us a review, click the star button, the subscribe button, whatever you're following us on, just please, please do that. It helps us reach more people and it's really, really easy to do. If you really enjoy the show and you want more stuff, we've been working really hard to get extra content for our patrons. Uh, like we said last week, there's entire full shows that are just for our patrons now, and we're trying to do more of those with our guests and stuff like that. So if you really enjoy this and you want more and you want to support us so we can continue to grow and get better equipment, please consider doing that at patreon.com backslash the Christ culture. And you can get stickers and mugs and T-shirts and cool stuff like that if you if you do so. So please check out our Patreon. Yeah, I think that's it. In that case, thank you guys so much for joining us on another week along the journey path of this adventure. And we will journey with you again next week. We'll see you then. Bye, guys. <laughs>